no, God, you did. You chose me. You called me. You brought me through a lot of stuff to get here. And I saw, I feel like for me, because I experienced a lot of pain and went through a lot of stuff in my life, there is just a passion that I have for people that I couldn't have gotten if I didn't go through what I, I went through, because I know what it's like to have zero hope, to not live another day. And also, I know what it is like to have found complete freedom and hope that is in Christ. When you find yourself between here and there, the now and the then, it can feel difficult to embrace life and all that it has to offer, especially when you feel like you haven't arrived yet. Wherever you're at though, we wanna help in that beautiful struggle of transitioning well through aspects of faith and life with The Places Between, a podcast all about transitions. Hi, I'm your host, Wendy. I'm a storyteller and a creative with a passion for adventure, fitness, and faith. What began as a love for travel, experiences, and community turned into helping clients around the country tell their own stories and inviting others to join them. I've always been passionate about people fully living. That means navigating those places between, opening up a safe space to have conversations and encouraging growth along the journey. So join me as we explore what it's like to transition well on the places between. I will forever be grateful for the moments I had nowhere to turn but felt the tangible presence of God in the redemption story of my life. And while there are stories upon story that I could share of God's divine hand of protection in my life during some of my wildest and craziest choices, I won't today. And I will simply say that I'm eternally grateful that Jesus had his hand on my life when I wasn't choosing him first, and the way he has worked both in and through my life through today is just amazing. It continually amazes me how gracious and truly faithful and loving he is. Today is one of those stories that is almost too hard to grasp, and yet knowing the life-changing power of God There is not one ounce of me that would doubt his rescue is real and possible for each and every one of us, regardless how far we get from him. I'm both humbled and honored to dive into a story that you just have to hear for yourself. From a young age, Will loved the mountains and everything outdoors in Colorado, but an innocent decision spiraled into 10 years of drug and alcohol abuse, along with a deep, deep mess of depression and more. It was time in jail where a radical encounter with Jesus changed everything. He's living, breathing, walking, talking evidence of Jesus's freedom and the hope that Christ offers to all of us. And I'm excited to share more of Will's story with you today. Currently, he calls Tulsa, Oklahoma home with his beautiful wife, Kaylee, his son, Arrow James, and baby girl on the way in May. 
He loves being able to pastor people, love people, and share the hope that he found in Christ and says he cannot wait to see what God continues to do. I can't either. And I hope you have that coffee hot and are ready for today's episode. So why don't you pull up a chair, grab that cup of coffee, and dive in with us to The Places Between. Hi, Will. It's so great to connect with you. Yes. Listen, I'm excited. I'm ready. You're ready. Well, I'm ready too. So we're just going to dive right in. I can't wait to learn more about your story and share it with others. And why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about who is Will? Where are you living? Anything you want to share right now? Yes. Well, who is Will? Man, first of all, we're still figuring it out. We're on this journey of figuring it out. But in short, man, my name is Will Heckenbach. I work at an incredible church, Transformation Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Really never thought I'd ever say those words in my life that I worked at a church or lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah. But here we are. I love it out here, man. I was born and raised in Denver, Colorado. We worked at an incredible church out there called Red Rocks Church. I got to do the internship there and just loved it. And God called me and my wife. We literally got married and we got called out to Tulsa, Oklahoma uh, to be a part of Transformation Church. I mean, it was like two months after we got married. So yeah, we're just out here being obedient to what God has told us to do. And I love what I get to do. I love who I get to do it with. Um, and ultimately, I love doing it with my wife, our little boy, Arrow James. Love doing life with them. And ultimately, just getting to talk about Jesus to anybody and everybody. It's been incredible. So yeah, that's a little bit. I love it. So, well, the next question was, I want to talk about your why, because I heard you say this recently. And for those that might be listening going, "Mm, I don't understand that. Could you unpack it a little? Yeah. I feel like it's important to always remember your why, because if you don't, you lose your way. And this is just something that I always remind myself, like, what is my why? And ultimately, the unchanging why is I hope my family and especially when I when my son was born, there was just a reality in which like I want him to experience the Jesus that I am experiencing, the relationship, the ability to be able to have vulnerable conversations with God and like, hey, I'm frustrated right now. Like and being able to just have a five hour worship session with him. Like I was raised in a great Christian home. But like this relationship that I'm experiencing now that it's my own, I just want my son, I want my baby on the way who's coming into the world in May. I want them to grow up in that. And I want as a family for us to be in relationship with Jesus, both separately, but also together. And it's just, yeah, when I, I'm so passionate about God and how faithful he's been in my life. And I just, I want to represent that to my children and my wife so that they just, there's an excitement just because dad's excited about talking about Jesus and getting to see what he did in my life. And so, yeah, I would say my family is definitely my biggest why and why I do things. But then I think that there's whys that change for me monthly. I like to have a, um, especially working at a church, there's just some times where it, it gets challenging with things and things change and things come up. But like, I always have one person in mind that just God puts on my heart to really make my why, whether that be somebody that, 
is unchurched, wants nothing to do with God, somebody that is a Christian, but is kind of wandering right now, just ultimately having a picture of somebody in my mind. It's like, man, this week it's about them. It's not about me. And so, yeah, I'd say those are kind of my two, two whys. One is constant and then one changes. I love that. It's so neat to think of this burden that's placed on our heart of like, this is why I want to show up for life because most of the world throws things at us. Be selfish. You do you. And that's so opposite of the kingdom of God and remembering, keeping our why in place of like, yeah. this is what propels me forward. So yeah. that's really cool. Congrats, yeah. by the way, on your yes. maybe to come this spring, right? Yeah. First week of May. I think the actual day is May 6th. So, so we'll see what happens. But yeah, definitely way more nervous about baby number two than I am about the first one. I, think, I just don't know what life's going to be like with two, two kids, but I'm ready. Yeah. I'm graced for both. So I'm ready. I love it. Well, God will prepare every step, I'm yeah. sure. Okay. So I want to back up because you're talking about being a pastor and living in Oklahoma, but you're from Denver. So can we talk a little bit of your story and... You can start as young as you'd like, but I'd love to, I know a little bit of it for listeners, so I'm eager to just share more, but why don't you start with your beginnings? Yeah, I feel like this kind of stuff, being able to even just have a conversation with with you, talking about Jesus, all of it, being able to preach places and none of it makes sense because the reality is like, I shouldn't be here, shouldn't be alive. And so it's really cool. I love being able to share what God has done. And I'm very transparent, uh, very humble, open, and transparent. It's what we say here at TC. Well, so I'm just going to be hot right now uh, <laughs> and just get into it. But yeah, I was raised in a family. My parents got divorced when I basically when I was born. They got both got divorced when I was months old, and they both got remarried probably by the time I was like two or three. So just grew up in in two different homes, two different ways of viewing things, and and all this stuff. And fast forward to about 12 years old, I'd say that's when I started rebelling a little bit. That was just when I, I just wanted to do what I wanted to do. And at my mom's house, it was a little bit more tight shipped, you know, where there was some more rules and, uh, and, and all that. And I just wanted a little bit more freedom. And that was where my dad's house was. So I just had this moment where I just wanted to move out. And so I think that was a defining moment in my life when I made that decision, you know, young kid wanted my freedom, wanted to be able to do whatever I wanted, wanted to be with my dad, you know, being the only son uh, in the family. It was just, you know, there was, there were some hurdles along the way with that, but ultimately ended up living with my dad and just had a little bit more, little freedom with that. And it let, honestly, ultimately all of this was my decision. So when I talk about my story, like I did this. And so I just want to be clear about that. But I made the decision right around 14 years old to start using drugs. It was such a, what's crazy about this when I talk about it, it was such an innocent decision for me. I was playing basketball and thought I was, you know, just this athlete and I wanted nothing to do with drugs. And I just remember one day I was at a, my first job was at a driving range where they, they're golfing and they try to hit you in the cart when you're cruising around trying to pick up the golf balls and and all that (laughs) stuff. And I was with a guy and he offered me, uh, he's like, man, you want to smoke with me? Like probably at least a month straight. And I was just like, no, bro, I don't do that. I don't do that. And then one day I just had an off day and I just, I was like, you know what? Sure. And so I smoked. And from that day forward, I mean, it opened up. I mean, I started smoking every single night at that point. I was like, well, you know, I started drinking because I was like, I'm already smoking. I might as well drink, you know? And then I thought maybe 
the way I looked at it was this is normal. You know, I mean, this is, I'm a high schooler doing, you know, what high schoolers do, I guess. Um, but then it got a little bit not so normal. Um, as I got a little bit older, you know, I started using a lot more drugs. I mean, anywhere from methamphetamine to hallucinogens to cocaine to while still smoking pot, while still drinking on a I mean, daily, hourly basis. There was not, I mean, from the age of, I'd say 14 to 15 was like weed and alcohol. And then from 15 on, I was never sober. I was always something and I didn't realize it happened so quick. And again, like I said, it was just such an innocent decision to where, you know, when you're that age, you don't think you have a, like a problem, you know, you don't know, but I think around 18 is when life took another defining moment, I would say, or another turn. So I got a girl pregnant. I'm a girlfriend at the time in a relationship for a few months. Definitely. I mean, 18, I was young. I was dumb. But if I'm being like, just again, being open um, and transparent, there was a part of me that was excited. I always, I love kids, always, you know, being around my niece and nephew growing up, like I just loved them. And so I was excited. And then ultimately a few months in, you know, we, we went to the, the baby stores, we looked at clothes, we looked at the cribs, I talked to the belly, all this stuff. And then come to find out um, she got an abortion. And I didn't know for a while, you know, and, and she, she just wanted to keep that from me. She said she was going out of town a couple of times. And um, when I found out, I'd say that was a moment in my life that I went to a place where I wasn't using drugs to like feel and like have fun and, and just do what high schoolers do. But it turned into like, I didn't want to feel anymore. Um, there was a very dark cloud that came over me that day. Just my default, well, I just started listening to angry music. I started drinking more. I started smoking more. I mean, I text friends that day. I was like, hey, man, whatever, like the, what, what do you have that will just make me forget everything? And ultimately, my addiction took a, a very heavy turn there. And it was all just, I thought I hit bottoms, but I just kept hitting more bottoms and more bottoms and, you know, just hitting that rock bottom point. And I just kept going down and down and down. Um, a few suicide attempts in between there. I just, I was at a place where I was able to like wake up and function to some degree, but ultimately, I mean, I had anxiety that just, just was constant. Like I just, I wasn't present. Like if I was in a conversation with somebody, I was just trapped up here. I was depressed. Getting out of bed was like, I had to use drugs to physically get myself out of bed and ultimately, I was angry when I woke up just because I, I hated my life so much. Like, I literally just wished that I wouldn't wake up, wake up. But I did, you know, I kept making things worse and kept using more and more and things stopped working. And ultimately, it led me to getting arrested. And that was another defining moment. Well, I, was, I was in a, a very bad place. I was probably, I mean, because at this point, heroin was introduced into the mix and I was at the point where I just, I just wanted to overdose. Like I, I just was at the place where I was done. I just couldn't do it anymore. And I remember when that, like the, the real thought of that entered my mind was at when my niece had her birthday party at this restaurant, we all went together. I remember I left there thinking like, man, I just got, I can't do this anymore. I'm faking this everywhere I go. People don't know and all this stuff. And as I was driving home, thinking about it, replaying it, I got to my house and there was 17 cop cars just waiting for me. Uh, they had a search warrant. 
and they got me out. I, you know, put my hands up. I was completely under the influence. I was just all these things and lights were kicked on and they had a dog and it was just this chaotic moment. But the only thing I can say is I felt relieved. Like, and I know that sounds crazy, but when I like remember that moment, like there was a sense of relief because I, I mean, I just hated how life was and how I felt. And so, yeah, I think that that led to me getting charged with a, a lot of felonies, ultimately convicted of a couple felonies for just drug distribution, not just for drug distribution charges. Um, yeah. that I was guilty of. I wasn't trying, I'm not trying to, you know, I didn't try to, to fight it or argue with it. I was guilty. And thankfully there was in my mind, you know, in the moment I was like, what? Like I'm actually going to jail for, you know, but like there was grace. I sh- I could have gone away for a lot longer, but I ended up serving some time in Jefferson County, their, their finest facilities. How old yeah. were you at this point? I was right. I think 25. Wow. I believe, yeah, I think I was, I just turned, so yes, I was 25 when I actually got convicted. And so, yeah, so, I mean, you figure, I mean, 11 years of, of drugs, wow. uh, I mean, every day, it was just a moment of like, okay, something's going to change. You know, I'll never forget the moment of the day of court. I was still using, I couldn't, you know, even though I had an ankle monitor on, I was still like, on pro, like, I just can't, I couldn't stop. I was a drug addict, you know, and mm-hmm. I remember the prayer. I went outside in the morning and I was like pleading with God. I was like, God, please, like, let me just get probation or like something where I can not go to jail. Like, please don't let that be and all this stuff. And I felt like God in this moment gave me like, okay, let me just show you like what happens if you go home today? You're on probation. You go home. What happens? And in my mind, I had this reality of like nothing changes. I can't stop using. I'm still depressed. I'm still anxious. I still want to kill myself. There was all these things. And so finally, it was one of these prayers where I was like, okay, God, what do I need to, to, to pray for? You know, in, in Romans, it talks about the Holy Spirit will intercede for us. And like, it was one of those moments where I was like, I don't know what to pray here. And God just took over and I just started praying. And I feel like ultimately my prayer was, God, do whatever you have to do to change my life. And it was one of those prayers where I was just super emotional about it because I knew, I just knew God heard me in that moment. I was so convinced that I was literally on the ground with a cigarette in my hand, on my knees in the front of my driveway, right about to go to court. And I just said, God, do what you got to do to change me. And sure enough, I got sentenced. I got convicted and zooming out. It was the best thing that happened to me. Best thing that happened to me, I got sentenced. I, I remember walking through the tunnel and the shackles, had to you know change into the orange jumpsuit, get my photo taken. I just remember in those moments, I was scared, but I also just didn't feel alone. There, there was a reality of it that I just knew God was with me. My heart broke because I remember when the judge put the gavel down and ultimately convicted me. The only thing I can remember that just is probably the hardest part about that day was hearing my mom behind in, in the, the the crowd say, wait, what did what did they say? What did they say? And because I didn't really hear what she said either. I mean, I was so incoherent and, and just under the influence still. And I was just trying to stand up there. And all I remember is my dad leaned over and he said, he's going to jail. And I just heard my mom cry, my grandfather cry. I heard my dad get choked up saying it. Um, my family was there and I, I couldn't even look back. When the bailiff came to escort me, I just remember... I couldn't look back. I didn't want to look back. I felt like I just had to get out of there. And so I did. I got escorted through the tunnel 
in the shackles and I remember getting in there and went through the process and all the stuff and um, eventually ended up in the cell. And then the reality of now I am detoxing and withdrawing from 11 years of substance abuse, you know, and like I said, it was a, it was an hourly thing. I was never sober. And so it was like, I mean, just the floodgates came open. It was to the point where I was in population for a while, which is just a prison term when you're, you're in there with your, it's kind of like minimum security. Um, you have a little bit like you're, you have cell blocks so you can mm-hmm. actually like be out and sit at a table, a metal table um, at that. But anyways, it was at the point where I was getting sick. And in the middle of the night, I remember a guard came and he said, pack up your stuff. And I'm going to be honest, I was a little, little like, what the heck's going on? And ultimately, they just knew that I was withdrawing. They looked at my, my record, my charges and all that. Um, and they took me to the SHU, which stands for Special Hold Unit. Um, essentially, it is in the basement of the jail. And that is, in my mind, where they put people that they don't know what to do with, they don't want to deal with. I mean, the noises that were in that thing. I mean, people like hitting their head against things, wailing out, screaming. Like there was just so much going on. I remember getting put it in the, put in the cell by myself in that two weeks. It's hard to gauge time in there. I feel like it was about two, two and a half weeks. And it was hell on earth. I don't know how to describe it other than it was, I mean, the physical pains from the withdrawals was the most excruciating pain I've ever been in. Um, I was throwing up. I was sweating the mental battle of like just trying to figure out how can I kill myself with a metal or with a rubber cup um, <laughs> and just nothing else. Like, cause that's all they give you. Cause they know like, so it was just like two, two and a half weeks of just torture. Um, I wouldn't wish it upon anybody. And the worst part about it though, was that there was just the spiritual side of it where I felt like I was going through the physical pain, the, the mental pain, all the stuff, the anxiety, like just freaking out. Um, but there's nothing you can do. But ultimately, every time I laid my head down and tried to like go to sleep, try to close my eyes, I just felt like there was this spiritual warfare going on for my life, for my soul. And I just remember like I, it was terrifying. I just remember just I could see it like just good versus evil, God versus the devil. Like I just felt like there was just this something fighting for will And ultimately, I remember one day in the middle of that and feeling it and feeling scared, there was a moment that just all of a sudden I felt peace. I felt you can't convince me that God wasn't in that cell with me. I felt something in there with me and everything just began to shift. I started sobbing. I started crying like crazy. I remember I dropped to my knees. And at this point, I'm like, God, I don't even know what to say anymore. And I just, I love the Bible because in Romans 8, when it says the Holy Spirit will intercede on your behalf, I feel like this is what happened because I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. And I, the only thing that was able to even come out of my mouth, I remember it very clearly. I literally just said, God, I hate my life. You can have it. And it was just such a, like in my mind, when I say that, I'm like, oh, that's like not really a deep prayer. But when I said that, I started crying even heavier. I felt like like God was like, okay, you're mine. You are already mine. But now that you're accepting that you're mine, like it was just this moment. And I started just, when I say I was crying, I listen, I'm sure people, I was one of the people wailing now at this point. And it was just a moment where I started repenting for everything. I started crying out and just, I literally was there just praying, 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 praying. I don't remember all of what I said. All I remember is at the end of that prayer, when I said, God, like take my life, I'm all yours. 
when I said amen, something changed. I can't explain it. I mean, it sounds crazy when I say it, but like I felt a different like warmth in the wow. blood flow my veins. It felt like my heart was beating different. There was just things that I was like aware of. And I was like, what is happening? And the only thing I, I can compare it to when I, when I read Saul's conversion, when, when he converted to Paul and he was on the road to Damascus, like I just, when I read that, anytime I read that story, just the hair sticks up on the back of my neck. Cause I feel like that's what happened to me. I was in a place where I needed God to just come jump in front of me and say, you're mine now. And that's exactly what he did. And when I said, amen, everything changed. And my whole life just completely took a turn. I was on fire for God. I asked the guard um, for the Bible. I read the Bible. I was in there because there's nothing to do, you know? So I, I read the Bible. I was in there. But the best part about all of this was God. He just knows what he's doing. He knew I needed more than that. He saw the bigger picture and he sent a guy named David Smith. I get emotional about every time I talk about it. God literally went to him. And asked him, hey, there's a guy named Will. He's in jail. I need you to go just, just be with him. And David Smith came and visited me through that process every week. He came and all he did, he never once said like, you shouldn't be doing that. Or are you good? Like, are you craving drugs? Like, all he never once. All he did was, hey, man, I want you to read Romans 4 today. And we'll talk about it. Hey, man, like Jesus loves you. Encouragement, encouragement. And I just saw, I saw Jesus through him. And it just, it just fueled that fire that was already there. I got released and man, David and Breezy let me into their home. See, like I'm just, I was just, I, they just loved on me. They didn't, they did not see the convicted felon, ex-drug addict, ex-alcoholic that I sometimes saw. Like, I, it was just, they, they saw me the way Jesus saw me. And that, that changed things for me. He helped me along the way. I started serving with adults with special needs. Like, I just started getting involved in the church. Like, and it was just because God saw fit to bring this man of God into my life to just be there for me. Wow. 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 <laughs> There's so many different directions. The one thing that stood out to me is like, I think about people that might be listening and they're, they've never had like quite the extreme experience that you have. And their thoughts about the Bible are just like, oh, that's, you know, they believe it's God's word, but it's just not important to them. And you share your story and how it is life and it rescues you. And you learn all of these things about how the Holy Spirit does intercede with moans and all of these things when we don't even know what to pray, like the Holy Spirit yeah. intercedes. And what a crazy, gnarly story. And yet, praise God for his rescue. Thank you so much for sharing. That's wow. Absolutely. Wow. So I think about when God places people in our lives, like he did with David, how amazing that they came alongside of you and really saw you in the same way that God saw you. Like, this is my son. I've created him and I have so much for him. And like the way that the Smiths could love you and we all have somebody in our lives that take a chance on us. And I know yeah. that this didn't happen just once for you, but it happened again. Can yes. you talk about the next steps of who is this for you and how did it impact where you are today? Yeah, it, it's really cool how God uses people. He knows what you need and he knows who you need. And so, yeah, it was one of those. So after I got out, 
like when I tell you I was like on fire for the Lord, like I did, and I just didn't know what to do. When we, when you read that scripture about sh- the fire shut up in my bones, like that was me. I like had to let it out. But the reality was, I just got out of jail. I'm st- I'm on parole at this point, and I have a record now. Like, and it was just a couple of weeks ago. So there was this reality of like I wasn't going to be able to just walk into a church and be like, "Hey, hire me." So I just all I I said, God, what do you want me to do? It was just one of these moments where I was like, God, all I want, like you have my life. You just tell me what you want me to do. And literally the after I think like a couple days, a door opened up with adults with special needs, um, this incredible organization called Stepping Stones um, out in Colorado. And Bryn, she, she's the owner of it. Uh, she literally, she let me volunteer. I knew her back from the day in high school and she just, she took a chance on me. She let me volunteer. Um, and I got to just love, I love looking back at that, the level of love that I got to give, man, the level that I, of love I received. Man, it was amazing. That place is incredible. And so I just served and eventually they ended up offering me a job. And was it what I wanted? Was that what the vision of what God gave me? No, it was not. But I just told God, I'm going to do whatever you ask me to do. And I'm going to trust that you're going to open up the doors. And so I served that season faithfully. And in the meantime, my little sister sent me this church called Red Rocks Church in Denver, told me to like, hey, come check us out. I ended up loving the church, started going to the young adult ministry, all this stuff, and just got plugged in, got in a life group, which is one of their small groups, and started serving. And again, God is just, he's telling me, he's like, I just, all I need you to do is serve. And so I just kept like serving, serving, serving. And then one day, I remember I was at a young adult night and they advertised internship, apply, the today's the last day. And I was like, yeah, okay, well, like, what is that? Like, it was one of those things I think God just illuminated. And I just was like, okay, I'm not going to ignore this. I was like, why can't I stop thinking about this? And anyways, I argued to the point with God because I was like, okay, I can't not get paid. You know, I was like, I can't do that. So I literally just, I went home and it made it to midnight. And so that way the applications were closed and I couldn't apply. And so I was like, all right, cool. Sorry, guys. Like, obviously you didn't want me to apply and he would not leave me alone about it. So I just, I finally, I saw Andrew Matrone. He was the internship director at Red Rocks. And I asked him, I was like, Hey man, I was like, is it too late to apply? I know you closed it. He's like, yeah, go ahead and submit the application. And I was straight up in that moment. I said, now listen, Andrew, I'm just going to keep it real with you. You're going to run a background check and you're going to find some stuff. Like I'm just going to keep it real. And he's like, yeah, you know, go ahead and apply. He was a nice guy. He wasn't going to be like, no, right there. And so I applied and gosh, within two days, I got this, this email from the team saying, Hey, like, sorry, like, it's not it, you know? And I knew like, I mean, you know, it's fresh. I mean, at this point it was only gosh, a year after getting out, like, I mean, maybe a year and a half. Wow. And so I remember like being bummed, but I knew like, okay, God, well, I'm just going to continue on serving where you told me to. I remember the last thing you told me and that was serving um, the adults with special needs community. That's what I'm going to do. And then like two weeks later, three weeks later, right before the internship was starting, I get a phone call and it's Andrew. And he's like, Hey man, a couple of the other pastors at the church, Scott Brugman, I loved him. Uh, he ended up having a conversation with Andrew and basically they were both like, God told them you need to, you mm-hmm. need to bring. And I remember getting that phone call. I was like, wow, you can't like God, there's nothing that can stand in the way of the will of God. If you are walking step in step with him, if you are serving. And so God used Andrew in that moment to open up a door into ministry and I had no idea what would come next from that. I mean, 
the things that Red Rocks taught me, the things that Andrew, he was probably one of the greatest leaders of all time. I just was able to learn. And then it ultimately led me to coming out to my next chapter after I got married. I met my wife at Red Rocks and moved out to Tulsa. And now I get to be a part of an incredible church out here. And, and it's, it's just amazing how God uses people to open up doors and to just guide you along the way. Um, it's amazing. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. It's yeah. so neat. And that's such evidence that we need to be walking with people that hear from God yeah. so that yeah. they can speak into our lives and encourage us to keep going. Yeah. And I think about the fact that Red Rocks prepared you for where you are now serving yeah. in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Like your church is amazing. People totally like I watch sermons almost every week and I wouldn't put it past the Lord to do something that awesome for you speaking. So now you're a pastor out at Transformation Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and you're getting to pour into other people now. What do you think it means? What does it mean for you to invest in somebody? Like, have you, have you seen that switch now? Oh yeah. It's honestly, it's all crazy to me that God trusts me over. He's the most precious possession on earth for him is his people. And the fact that he allows me to have space to speak into people's lives is, it doesn't make any sense, but I stopped asking God, why, why did you choose me? Like, why? I'm just like, God, thank you for choosing me. Like I just, and so there's a reality, like where something just shifted in me where I had this like timid, I'm not worthy approach into this, like, no, God, you did. You chose me. You called me. You brought me through a lot of stuff to get here. And I saw, I feel like for me, because I experienced a lot of pain and went through a lot of stuff in my life, there is just a passion that I have for people that I couldn't have gotten if I didn't go through what I I went through, because I know what it's like to have zero hope to not live another day. And also I know what it is like to have found complete freedom and hope that is in Christ. So for me, I don't want to do anything else other than find the people that have zero hope. And I want to tell them the hope that's in Jesus like that. At this point, it's like, why I would never even think to do anything other than talk about him to people because I know what it's like, you know, and Gosh, God uses people to change people. And he, for some reason, sees sees me as somebody that can be used. And so I'm going to let him use me. I'm yeah. going to do things that are uncomfortable. I'm going to have conversations. I'm going to be that guy that posts on his Instagram saying like, Jesus loves you. Like, you know, I'm going to be that because you don't know what somebody needs to hear. And so, yeah, to me, impacting people, that's what it's all about. Like wanting people yeah. to Jesus. That's where my son, Arrow James, that's why he has that name is because I believe in his life. All he's going to do is point people to Jesus. And that's what we're supposed to do. So that's really neat about your son's yeah. name. So I think about how often people want to experience a breakthrough in their life and they want miracles to happen, but they also don't want to be in a situation where they need a miracle to happen. But we've all been there where we're just like, I literally have no idea what to do. And God, I need, I just need this life-saving rescue. And while some people haven't experienced the depths that you have, there's also the reality of experiencing sadness and depression and tormented thoughts and so many things that people just don't openly talk about 
So what would you say to encourage someone? Can you encourage somebody that's listening right now that maybe they do know they have a call on their life, but they just, they don't even know what to do next. Yeah. I think sometimes we make things a little bit more complicated than what it needs to be. When you look at Joshua and God tells him, I will give you every place your foot steps. This is where I feel like a revelation that just changed my life. If I would have, when I was sitting in the basement of a jail, when God gave me the vision of what he gave me, and a lot of it is what I'm doing today. I haven't seen it fully out played out yet, but I feel like God has, he's continued to open up doors and lead me in that direction. But if I would have tried to figure out and like, well, what do I need to do to have this happen and this happen? Like I would have just been frozen. I would have just been at a place where I wouldn't have made a move because I thought it was impossible, but taking a step is not impossible. And I feel like God was strategic with how he said that to Joshua. And it's just like, Hey, I took a step and I started serving adults with special needs because that's what God told me to do. I didn't know how it was connected to anything, but I just, I listened and I obeyed. I ended up taking a step in applying for the internship at Red Rocks. Had no idea what was going to come from that. And God used it and I listened and I obeyed. And so there's a reality in which anybody, no matter what you are going through, no matter what situation, no matter the things that you are believing for, there is a reality in which all you have to do is just like, God, what's that one step I can take? Sometimes God will download the whole thing and be like, hey, you need to do this, 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 and this, because he can do anything. But like, sometimes he's just going to say, hey, I actually, you can't do anything until you forgive that person. Like, I actually need you to pick up the phone and call your mom. Like there's, there are things. So I feel like if we can just be in sync and in step and in relationship with the Lord and give him the space to just tell us, like, what's the step I need to take today? What do I need to do to just achieve and reach and go towards the promises that he's given. I think the answer to that is just baby steps. Like, you know, just Joshua baby steps, take a step, see what God does. Cause if you're not moving, he can't, he can't use you if you're not moving. That's so good. And that's such like practical, tangible advice. Cause a lot of times it isn't going to be the grandiose, find your next speaking gig or right. <laughs> start a ministry. Maybe it is serving your neighbor or yeah. it's calling your brother who you haven't talked to in 10 years or those little steps. And I believe that God is faithful even in those steps. So I do want to honor your time. And I just, I want to say thank you as well publicly of it's not easy to share the dark moments that we've been through, but I also love that you very clearly and tangibly talk about the rescue that Jesus provided and I bet looking back on your life, you probably wouldn't want to repeat a lot. However, it brought you to today, right? So you look back and you're like, okay, God, I guess it was all worth it because he's still redeeming. Right. So I just want to say thank you for sharing your story. And I'm sure people that are tuning in were dramatically impacted by just the depths that you went to. So thank you. And, um, I'm excited to see what God continues to do in and through your life and your ministry and your family and all of that. So a sister from another mister, I'm so like honored to at least have you on the show and call you friend. Last but not least, I want to hear what place are you between now and how can we pray for you? Yeah, it's a good question. That's a loaded question. You know, I think right now, and I kind of touched on it where 
God really, he was very intentional with, I think, showing me for some reason he saw fit to show me the big picture when I was in that jail cell. What I feel like God said is if you serve me and stay in relationship with me, like what these visions, desires and passions and promises that I'm giving you, like they will come to pass. So I think for me right now, the place that I'm between is seeing what the, the full picture is and not necessarily living in the full picture. It can get to a place where I think patience is, is one of those things where you're like, all right, God, like, are we doing that? Or, you know, and so I think where I'm in the place right now is just, I know God has given me a passion. And if you would have told 15 year old Will this, he would have laughed at you. But like, God has given me a passion to just communicate the gospel. The crazy thing about that, like, I think about this all the time. If I wanted to go and get a job somewhere, like I can go apply at a job or I can go and like, Hey, like submit recommendations and all this stuff and like do things to get it. When it comes to like preaching the gospel and talking about Jesus, I can't force any of these opportunities. Even being able to have a conversation with you and talk about my story and stuff like this is God opening up doors. And and so I'm in this place where I just have to trust him. Like God has done so much in my life. And although have I seen the big picture and the vision that he gave me. I remember it so vividly. Um, I have it written down in a journal. One day I'll, I'll, I'll show it because I feel like I'll be living in it. But I'm definitely, I know I'm heading in the direction of what he has called me to do. And I'm loving the process. Like that's one thing where I think I just need prayer on is just constant reminder to just love where I'm at. Like be here, be present. There's just this reality where we always, we always want to get there. But then when you get there, there's another there. And so I just want to remain present. I want to be here and I want to enjoy it. Like I love what God is doing in my life. And I think sometimes patience can be a thing for me. But when I really, even just in talking to you and talking, I'm hyping myself up right now because it's just like, I'm reminding myself, man, like I just want to enjoy what God's doing now. And you know what? And I'm grateful for everything I have. And God doesn't have to do one more thing in my life. Like he has done enough, but he sees fit to continue to give opportunities, to continue to open doors, to continue to have his hand in my life. And I'm grateful for that. Amen. I love that. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Well, we will definitely be praying for the future of your journey and even this yeah. baby to come and healthy delivery for your Ooh. wife and just all of the things that God is doing both in and through your family and your ministry. I just, God is so faithful and he's so good. So I can't Ooh. wait to see where he takes you. So listeners, thank you for tuning in. I'm sure you were blessed by Will's testimony as I was too. And we just want to invite you to take a look at those show notes. If you want to find out more information about the church that he's serving at or how to follow him on Instagram, all the good things. So thanks again for tuning in to the places between and we'll catch you again next week. I'm over here cheering you on, friend. You just finished another episode of the Places Between podcast. If you want to access more, be sure to subscribe or visit theplacesbetween.com to learn more about our guests, episode sponsors, upcoming retreats, and more. Like Stay in the Story, a 25-day devotional all about staying in your story while you wait on your dreams, on God, and on life to come to fruition. 
And lastly, if you're looking for an online community of people who also want to transition well, then come say hi over on Instagram at the places between. As always, thanks for taking time to dive into the places between. Until next time, keep enjoying that journey.